welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to After the Bell, brought to you by Connects Academy. We are committed to ensuring that schools and their staff are supported with as much training as possible to ensure children in their care are kept safe and are supported. Today, we will be discussing self-harm and suicidal ideation. Some of the topics we are discussing today may act as a trigger. Please look after yourself and take time out if you need to. You can also visit Samaritans.org or call 116 one, two, three, for free help if you need to talk to someone today. Our guest today is Debbie Innes Turnhill. Debbie has been a teacher for 30 years, a lecturer at Birmingham University and an independent safeguarding consultant. So today we're going to talk about something that's incredibly difficult and touches so many people, self-harm and suicidal ideation. It's such a difficult topic, it's difficult to know where to start. So I'm going to start by asking Debbie. Thank you for being here today, Debbie. Okay. Where shall we start with this extremely challenging subject? It's incredibly difficult and schools are increasingly having to work with children and young people who have these distressing behaviours. So shall we start with being clear about what we mean when we are talking about self-harm and suicidal ideation? When we talk about self-harm, we mean deliberate damage to body tissue without suicidal intent. And it's often used as a coping mechanism with many who commit it not feeling pain during the act. It seems to be appear something that's becoming more and more frequent. Mm. Um, Debbie, do you want to share some more on this? So if a child or young person is self-harming, it it might be the child who keeps poking a pencil into their hand and then appears to be doing that compulsively to make the hole that they've made bleed. It might also be the child who is banging their head on the wall when they're angry, or it might be a child who's using a blade of some sort to cut parts of their body, uh, often their arms or their legs because they're easier to get to when the child or young person is in distress. It might even be um, the young person abusing substances in order to try and obliterate their feelings. That's quite a different perspective on self-harm, actually. So we can talk about that in further detail. I know you're going to come back to how difficult that is for staff to witness. So now can you tell us what is meant by suicidal ideation? Yes, suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts mean thinking about and planning suicide. And those thoughts can range from, you know, a very quick consideration to a detailed plan. And suicide is actually death from intentional self-harm, where the deceased intended to take their own life. And often those with suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation have no intention of actually committing suicide but it can be so difficult to tell and why do you think self-harm and suicidal ideation is is such a growing issue for schools debbie 
Well, I think there are a number of factors that we're seeing, some of which have been around for a long time and some more recent. Um, yeah, and, 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 and so let's look at what, what are the more perennial issues then? Well, I think for adolescents, um, and I think adolescence is, is becoming younger and younger in terms of where it starts, but identity issues have always been a difficult thing to navigate and some young people really do struggle to manage them. Um, and I think these have become potentially more challenging in recent years. There's always been pressure, performance pressure, peer pressure, um, you know, linked to that identity and societal pressure to fit in. And then there have always been some families where the circumstances mean that children and young people are unable to manage their emotions, for example, or, you know, if they're being abused or whatever. And what about more current factors that that have fueled the increase that the schools are seeing? Well, we're still a society that's suffering from the ongoing trauma of COVID. And I think children and young people for whom that period's a larger proportion of their lives are in many cases still struggling to cope with the social impact and linked to that is the growth of social media. I think we're all aware of that, but social media is difficult in so many ways, isn't it? Yes, it is. And for children and young people who have anxiety or depression or who are even just feeling sad, who seek to explore what they're feeling online can very quickly be bombarded with distressing images. And that in itself can lead to those these sorts of behaviours. Um, we saw that in the case of Mo the really upsetting case of Molly Russell. Yeah. And yeah. there is now some hope that as a result of her tragic death, the online safety bill has now been passed and that impels social media companies to take responsibility for the well-being of children on their platforms. So hopefully they're going to look at those algorithms that that bombard children and young people with really distressing images and we hopefully won't see another Molly Russell. And and that's one sort of only positive that can come out of that case because it is just truly shocking. Mm. Is that a watch this space then to see what actually happens, do we think? Well, I guess it is. We still need to actually see the legislation and then how it's going to be implemented and whether we can actually police the big social media giants, particularly when they're not based in this country. Yeah, it's going to be one to watch, definitely. So in the meantime, what do you recommend schools do to try and make sure that they're prepared for managing children and young people who are feeling this way? So I think schools need to consider establishing a trauma-informed policy or process that all staff know and understand. Um, and of course, Connects offer a trauma-informed practice policy. Um, and I think staff training, particularly around um, self-harm and suicidal ideation is, is really important, depending on, on the rate of incidence of, that this has come across in school. It's also really important to educate children and young people so they know how to resist those pressures we talked about mm -hmm. um, and they know how to manage their feelings in a way that doesn't lead to self-harm or suicidal ideation. The schools actually need to be talking quite openly about these conversations and, and in their sort of PSHE curriculums, Absolutely. there needs to be dedicated time for this as well, doesn't there? Yes. In, in the webinar, you talked about the importance of peers in the process that schools implement. And, and can you 
talk to me about a bit more about that? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's something I've seen a lot of in my work in safeguarding. Often children and young people are more likely to talk about their difficulties to their friends rather than they they will to the adults around. Yeah. Um, and obviously you need to make that uh, safe. You need to uh, think about how children and young people can can act as peer buddies or mentors. And if you watch the recording of the webinar, you'll see a clip that I share uh, that explores how a young female gets drawn into self-harming behaviour herself as a result mm -hmm. of it being shared by a friend. So the safety side of that is really important. Um, but I do, I know of a number of situations where children have disclosed to a friend before they before they can bring themselves to speak to an adult. So it absolutely is something that schools should explore. Yeah, it's it's about a whole strategy with children and adults and emotions, making sure everyone's safeguarded to ensure that everyone feels held in support yeah, when absolutely. people need help. So that kind of brings us brings us on to talk about what schools need to do to support the staff who witness these behaviours. It does. I'm I'm a massive supporter of supervision or reflective practice in schools. Mm -hmm. It helps staff to explore their actions and their emotions. And, you know, I know it's difficult and some schools aren't able to fund external supervision, but you can provide it internally with somebody who knows what they're doing as long as the person at the end of that chain has supervised has a supervision outside of school yeah so it, it's kind of supporting everybody in that chain all the way up yeah and and can you explain what you mean by that yeah if you're supervising you need to be supervised and so on so in school if somebody uh does the connects online reflective practice course they're able to embed supervision or reflective sessions for staff but that person needs to be supervised either by someone else in school who's done the training or from somebody externally. So you could establish a system where everybody has the opportunity to be supervised, but eventually you'll have one person at the end who really should be supervised by someone outside of school. And I think that process is a really good way of holding people's emotions. And it's that chain, isn't it, of, of support for everybody. So is there anything else that you need or recommend for schools to support their work with children and young people who are self-harming or who have suicidal ideation? I think you need to remember that it's a difficult issue for everyone. Some of your school community will be have been touched by in personal ways, you know, adults who may also have the feelings or adults and children who have had a family member or friends who have died by suicide. So be kind and look after each other. And listeners, thank you, Debbie, for today. It is a tough subject and I'm very proud that we're prepared to discuss it and, and handle it face on. And absolutely, schools should start to have these conversations. Listeners can follow up and find out more about the webinar that Debbie recently delivered, which was around self-harm and suicidal ideation, and that's available on connects-academy.com. As we mentioned, there are lots of triggers in these conversations today, and some of the topics we've been discussing may have acted as a trigger. If you do feel that you need to get some support or you're concerned about somebody close to you, you can visit samaritans.org or call 116-123 for free. Thank you for listening to Connects Academy today. 
and we will catch up with you soon. Take care.